AEC Business, the construction industry's innovation and technology show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the AEC Business Podcast. My name is Arni Heiskanen and my guest is Dr. Thomas Bock, a renowned expert in construction robotics and of course that is our topic today. Thomas, it's uh, fantastic to have you on the podcast. Mm, thank you, Arnie, for inviting me. You have been in construction robotics for 45 years and written several books on the topic. Can you tell us a little bit about your professional journey so far? Yes, actually, my journey is not that straightforward. Uh, uh, of course, I worked uh, a lot in, in the construction industry and uh, I, as a student, I built my own little house, uh, uh, do-it-yourself way, uh, north of Stuttgart. And this was a great experience because I had to to uh, assemble brick walls and, and concrete floor and all this stuff. And it was pretty hard labor. So um, I changed the course of my studies. I studied uh, civil engineering and architecture simultaneously and also I took courses because of this experience in other faculties besides my studies uh, um, I worked in the Daimler-Benz factory south of Stuttgart and I happened to see the first welding robot there so um, this triggered something and I thought well why can't we use robotics not just for welding but for assembling uh, walls and buildings since I built my little house by myself and I injured myself a lot <laughs> since I didn't have much experience as a student. And then it happened that I, I got a scholarship to study at IIT in Chicago and, and you know IIT uh, was a kind of interesting school. It was the so-called uh, um, second school uh, of architecture in Chicago and, and Mies van der Rohe and many other Germans went there. So I could study under a professor who, who, who worked for Miss van der Rohe, he did the Farnsworth House and then the Crown Hall. And, um, and the other professor who was my advisor, he did the Sears Tower and Hancock Tower. So um, there were great people there at IIT. And then I happened to meet some Japanese professor in Chicago and he told me about uh, Japanese companies like uh, Toyota, that also produce houses and uh, and Sekisui, which is a chemical company. Uh, so I contacted my German professors and asked them uh, what's going on. Uh, can a car company and a chemical company produce houses? And my German professors told me, no, that's not possible. And uh, <laughs> so I got curious and I wanted to see what's going on in Japan. And uh, so I got another scholarship to to go to Japan. And uh, I found out that they're actually far more ahead than what I knew those days when I went to United States. And I decided to stay longer. And uh, it turned out that I got my doctor there and I got into robotics. And uh, not just for the prefabrication, but also for on-site construction. And uh, so this was, was the course. So I, I, I somehow combined also lots of mechanical engineering and computer science electrical engineering and all the stuff you need for for robotics and construction because you need new kind of kinematics you need different solutions you can't just apply industrial robotics to to the uh, uh, construction sector so um, 
and and uh, so this is actually was a course that was not straight and uh, uh, also in between I I went into a little bit into space technology because I wanted to be an astronaut mm -hmm. in my childhood so um, but I couldn't work for NASA so since I was German it was in the 70s and uh, and I was also a little bit too tall maybe 10 50 centimeters too tall to become an astronaut and so I got into flying and I became a commercial pilot in Dallas Lafield, a smaller airport, not the Dallas Fort Worth big airport, but the previous one. And, um, and even this was a detour and it doesn't seem like a straight line uh, in the career, but it helped me a lot because you can use a lot of these technologies from aircraft navigation and so on, sensor systems for on-site robotics, for example. So all of this stuff, even it's not a straight path, uh, it helped a lot. And in, in the end, uh, it was really fun because you can create something new and you can do something to solve the problems of society. Well, um, if you think about the robots today, we know that technologies develop exponentially and um, and even consumer great robots can do things that industrial robots were not were incapable of, of a few years uh, ago but what is the state of art now and how do new technologies like ai which everybody's talking about drive the development uh, well, of course, this is a very interesting development, AI, and all it depends also on on the database uh, the AI algorithm can refer to. So the better the database is, and the more data they can access, all these AI um, programs and algorithms can be very efficient. Um, but I think in, in construction, especially on on-site construction, um, I would rather go for straightforward, uh, robust uh, solutions, and uh, because you know the environment uh, is very harsh, uh, and the impact of weather and so on, and dust, and and um, so um, of course uh, AI maybe in in the early stages when when you when you develop a strategy or or you design something or. Um, uh, it's it's maybe very helpful and also maybe in in the in the prefabrication in the offsite manufacturing where robots will be are being used a lot but as closer as when you get to the construction side i would rather go for some robust uh, simple solutions which are which are reliable and um because it all depends on the implementation uh, the, the building should be finished quite uh, quickly and it should not have any kind of rework necessary so um and 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 uh, so it, it should be done right at the first time uh, and because it's a big investment and uh, since we have this huge investment in 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 construction any any kind whether it's building construction or infrastructure and every second euro in Europe is invested in some kind of facilities, infrastructure, buildings, built environment, and so on. We have to be very uh, aware of it. Uh, time is money, and it should work uh, in the first place. And because this is a big advantage, if you use robotics, uh, 
the construction time can be reduced a lot and um, the return on investment can be uh, there immediately and you don't have to wait long like a time overruns cost overruns are a big problem nowadays construction so um so i would do some kind of let's say uh in the early stages uh, strategic levels uh, maybe use more towards uh, ai expert system machine learning stuff uh, in the factory a little bit less and then decreasing and then on-site um, maybe just straightforward solutions because anyhow the the boundary conditions are already decided and set up before so um, you don't need to find some kind of new solution in a chaotic environment it should be a very uh, well-defined well-structured environment because it has to work everything just in time when you uh, build and the building on site so this this would just be my approach from my experience as as far as i i understand the most common on-site robots nowadays are demolition robots anyway uh, so so but speaking of of on-site robotics what kind of use cases would you say makes sense uh with with on-site robotics uh, and maybe what challenges they they might be facing in in an environment that is not like a factory yeah as you mentioned uh, demolition and um and of course within this uh, demolition uh, you have a lots of uh, approaches like you can systematically disassemble the building either from top down or or you cut the ground floor and and lower the building slowly and uh, have an orderly deconstruction and not a demolition in in a, in a chaotic way where, where you get lots of dust and uh, you have to spray water and then you get chemical reactions uh, on on the side and then you have cannot reuse the material and uh, so um, if you do the deconstruction systematic deconstruction i think robotics is very efficient and whether it's top-down deconstruction or from uh, cutting the ground floor, lowering the whole high-rise building, for example. And then you've got the advantage then that 93% of the building can be, of the material can be reused because um, you can sort it out while uh, disassembling the building. And uh, since, for example, from the cut and down method, you can... Um, you you keep the roof on the on the top of the high rise for example and then you can disassemble uh, the interior of all the let's say 50 floors of the high rise building sort the materials of the interior into let's say 30 different containers and according to specifications so you got uh, clean uh, sorted out materials and once they reach the the ground level you just pull them out and then you disassemble the primary structure and um, and all other uh, um, works that are dirty, dangerous and difficult is, is of course uh, uh, good to, to be executed by robotics. And uh, since it's uh, also we have to think about the the uh, safety and the health of the construction workers. Uh, but also recently, I think um, we have to have a little bit a different approach uh, 
um, especially in, in Germany, uh, and not just in Germany, but also I just gave a talk a week ago in, in Paris, in, in Orsit, uh, it was called Orsit, uh, Offsite Construction in the Age of Anthropocene and in the Age of Humankind. And they talked mostly about offsite construction. And uh, by the way, offsite, onsite for me, it's not a contradiction. We need both. <laughs> mm -hmm. We need uh, uh, robotics in both fields. And uh, uh, it's easier offsite, it's a little bit more difficult onsite, but onsite, more things can go wrong. So I would emphasize more on the onsite to make sure the nicely prefabricated components are not uh, damaged while they're assembled onsite. For example, this can be guaranteed by robotics. I think the big problem challenge nowadays is the housing shortage, uh, affordable housing. And we have a big problem in Germany uh, and also in France. Uh, 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 the HLM, Habitation uh, Loué, Modéré, and all this stuff. So lots of uh, countries have a housing shortage, affordable housing shortage. So our approach should be to use uh, robotics uh, and automation in prefabrication and on-site uh, in such a way that uh, people, also low-income uh, uh, families and, and, and people can afford um, their own apartment or house, whatever. And so it would be some sort of, um, like, let's say, target costing or target financing so i would i would do an approach uh, actually focusing in the beginning not so much on the robot but first on what can the people afford so lower income people can afford less of course if somebody makes only let's say thousand or fifteen hundred euro and uh, then they can only let's say spend 15 percent or something on the net monthly income uh, for paying rent or financing the future apartment, something like this. And then you got an amount, you you know what they need, how many square meters they need, you know how much money they could spend from the net income, let's say 500 euro or uh, something like this. And from this amount, we develop the process. Uh, what kind of processes are there? Uh, looking, checking all the industries, car industry, chemical industry, whatever is available and advanced. And then uh, in the end, define the, the product. So um, this is maybe not a typical approach and many people might not like it because first the architect designs the product uh, and then the civil engineer calculates the structure and then the construction manager tries to, to make it work on the construction side. And then in the end, we end up with cost overrun, time overrun and all these problems we uh, we face in our societies nowadays. So I would just do the other way around. I would actually, and, and, and many professions, especially architects, my colleagues will not like it, that they have to adjust to whatever we tell them in order to make it affordable. So whenever you have this, let's say the, the economics, people call it target costing, and I don't know what other I'm not an economic specialist, but I would call it like finance ability, target financing. Then thinking about some kind of industrial process, it's very open whether what kind of material we use, wood, concrete, ceramics, steel, some kind of hybrid material. 
and thinking about what can be done with all these uh, industrial processes and then in the end define the final design so this would be my approach and of course uh, um, you can't avoid using automation and robotics so um, this would be the natural outcome and and this was my experience what i have seen in japan because when i've seen how this chemical company of sekisui went into the housing sector they approach totally different and uh, they are the biggest one in in the housing construction because they had this approach of a large chemical industry or factory <laughs> and uh, similar is toyota motors when they went into housing they had a different approach they uh, they also um, went into really a big series and uh, so um uh, so it's 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 all about the process but of course uh, people talking about design and how we can do it and even in my doctorate i wrote about robot oriented design in my phd in university of tokyo so um it was a big hit by the way in japan they liked this uh, robot oriented design approach which i developed uh, in the 80s while i was in tokyo uh, but i would now go, go a step further and say it has to be financeable and it has to be uh affordable for the people for this and and then for example somebody who, who earns like me uh, since i was a chair professor in tu munich uh, maybe 30 percent of my net income is affordable uh, but for lower income people it's maybe only five or 15 percent. it depends so it would be a totally different solution you can't tell one square meter cost one thousand or two thousand euro many people talk about some price per square meter but i think we have to approach differently we have to see the end process and what is financeable and then what is affordable for these people including low income people and then fix the design the product in the end so i i know this makes many enemies because you really uh, totally change the approach uh, which is now being conventionally used all over the industry. But I think there is no other way because uh, the, the, we cannot solve the problems right now. And even our chancellor in Germany, he has a, a, a task force and, and still they are not able to solve the problem. So we need a totally new approach, in my opinion. So so instead of thinking about robotics as a technology, we we start from the the actual need and the the, op, uh, the capabilities of the customer and then uh, if the ro if robotics is a, a, a rational solution along along the way then we'll use those but but it doesn't have to be like like we first think about okay we have these robots what can we use them for <laughs> mm. yeah yeah very very good by the way you mentioned this robot oriented design can you can you give us a little bit more information about what what you mean by that well when i first uh, when i came to japan in 1984 they already developed uh, first prototypes since 78 since uh, for for about 6 years uh, so i also had a part time job next to my doctorate at the university of tokyo at a part time job at a research institute of the construction company called Chimitsu that was the pioneering company that started in 1978 uh, developing the first on-site robotics. So um, I analyzed these first 50 robots uh, that the Japanese developed and maybe they have been even the first 50 robots in the world. 
and uh, I could check them on site, see when they something goes wrong, when they fail, when they break down. Uh, many cycles, uh, many uh, improvement cycles, what the Japanese like to do, this Kaizen process. They had several, let's say, fire spraying, fireproof material spraying robots uh, for about four different cycles of improving the robot. And I could uh, all check these on site. And then I came up with a solution on my kind of opinion that I called it robot oriented design. We have to adjust the periphery. So again, here, I think the periphery uh, around the robot is more important. So how the architect designs the building, uh, how the construction management, the construction site layout, till down to the details, how you're joining columns, beams, floor panels, exterior wall panels, and all this stuff. Uh, I changed all these, uh, let's say, the design from the big scale to the, to the small scale, uh, the management, the sequencing, uh, what you do on, on the construction management, how you cooperate, uh, the, the com combination between factory offsite and onsite, what is the best solution, which parts have to be prefabricated offsite to be just on time onsite, uh, to be assembled by the robot in, in the proper way. And so it was um, also a little bit of a different approach, let's say the the, the the component you um, uh, assemble uh, first on site is is uh, and and you want to use the most efficient way of some assembly robot. Then it controls the logistic, and then it con from the logistic to the on site, uh, you control uh, the off site production sequence. So in the end, actually the site is controlling the the off-site um, manufacturing of, of any kind of components. And this is, again, was a kind of reverse engineering thinking. Uh, so this was basically uh, my my doctorate. Uh, first, uh, the analysis of the first 50 robots, uh, what went wrong and how can it be improved? And, uh, and uh, this was what I did later on. Uh, when I went first to my first job in Paris at the CNRS, uh, we started the first uh, commission of robotics in, in construction in France, and maybe it was even in Europe. And then I did it in Carlsruhe University at the civil engineering uh, faculty and later at the architectural faculty in Technical University of Munich. And But I think now, you know, it has to be seen on a wider range. It's not just robot-oriented design, which is not so difficult. The mechanical engineers learn it like design for manufacturing, mm. but architects don't learn it. They never learn about what, is, what the mechanical engineers learn for design for manufacturing when, when, when they study mechanical engineering, for example. So the education has to change, the curricula have to change. And, uh, but this is very difficult. You see, you go against some conventions which have been there for decades. So it's, mm. it's not that easy. And if you're telling now the people that we have to reverse the whole process and, and starting from what people can afford, uh, then it's even more probably resistant. But uh, I, I, I think it's the only way in the future because up to now it didn't work. And the problem we have now in, the, in our society with a shortage of housing is, is more and more uh, obvious. So we really have to change uh, uh, unless uh, people cannot afford. Some people who 
get a pension uh, like me. I'm now a pensioner as well since April. <laughs> and, and there are many people who, who barely can pay uh, the rent of an apartment. And uh, that's that's not a good good uh, good situation. So we really have to think what can people afford. And then, of course, robotics will be probably the so-called wonder weapon, I think, because they can also uh, guarantee that young people, uh, skilled people want to work again in the construction sector because it's very attractive for young people to work with robots. This is what I experienced in Japan. The Japanese had the problem that um, no young person want to join the construction industry anymore, but when they introduced robotics, many young capable Japanese people want to join construction industry because they can control a robot. So it was really cool for them. So uh, again, we can uh, be more attractive. We can get lots of skilled labor. We can upskill our labor if they control robots. And it's a good also for the uh, uh, construction quality because robot can't make a mistake uh, unless you program them in the wrong way, but then it won't work anyhow. So uh, there is no rework. If it's once something is built by a robot, there is no rework necessary as it's necessary on conventional construction site. So I think uh, this uh, robot-oriented design must be seen in a broader scale nowadays. But for the 1980s and, and time after, it, it was okay. It was good enough. So, <laughs> But nowadays, I would do it even on a wider range, on a, uh, including the affordability, the social affordability, the, the kind of, uh, in France, I called it eco-social resilience, because also the ecological demands are very high, which makes building more expensive. So we need even more robotics and automation to afford ecological housing or ecological building. <laughs> Otherwise, we can never afford ecological construction anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really topical question now. Um, so as we're talking here, I see that you have a background. It's it's a, labor a robotic laboratory. <laughs> so what is the role of research and uh, institutes in all this, in, in in the robotics of construction robotics? Well, I think in construction robotics, we need uh, a different approach. As I mentioned before, um, um, industrial robots won't work in, in the construction sector. They are made for welding. And uh, uh, it, it's maybe you can compare it to, or look at, uh, imagine yourself agricultural machines. They are special machines. Farmers use special machines. Also in the construction sector, we have tunneling machines, we have road pavers uh, and uh, scrapers and all these stuff. So uh, we have special machines in construction and agriculture, we need special machines. So for construction robotics, I always tell my students and I'm also teaching to mechanical engineers and electrical engineers and computer science, not just to architects and civil engineers. I think we need new type of, of, of kinematics new solutions. It's actually very nice, attractive for mechanical engineering students if they can be creative and think about a new machine. I show them, for example, uh, you know, the Transformer movie. And um, this is based on the Japanese toy called Gatai, which means combining bodies. And uh, these Gatais are toys uh, Japanese kids used to play when, when I went to Japan. And I was so amazed by these toys. I went to the toy store in Tokyo. 
and the little Japanese kids were looking at this funny foreigner, old man, what is he doing, uh, buying our toys. <laughs> and I went to the University of Tokyo and assembled all these toys. And, and, and these transformers are actually really interesting because they are special kinematics that change their kinematics even. So um, I think this is very uh, inspirational for mechanical engineers to design new type of construction machines. And uh, the agriculture sector actually is moving ahead a lot. They 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 are very advanced. If you if you see the productivity of the agricultural sector due to the new machines they're using and the new processes they they having, uh, they are actually uh, really now on a very high productivity level. And uh, it's now only the construction sector which is lagging behind a lot in in productivity. So I think we have to really think out of the box and and. Uh, Maybe we have to push the reset button <laughs> and reset uh, all our construction sector, including new machinery, new process, and, and stuff like this. Uh, that would be fantastic <laughs> if that ever happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but but do you also see uh, any new business models emerging from uh, robotization? Yeah, of course. You need, um, of course, you need new business, not just the new education. What I mentioned before. Universities have to change. Uh, education in one faculty is not enough. And vocational training has to change as well. So um, business model, I, it could be maybe interesting. When I did the first European mobile masonry robot, it was an Esprit II project in the early 1990s. Um, I thought about something like um, um, maybe a specialized a company or specialized business which is just uh, having employing people that know how to run the construction robot or several robots uh, and um, something maybe like um, you know there are special companies that just assemble facade facade and they're focusing they're making facade and they're assembling facade only they don't do the whole primary structure and maybe for robotics we would need also specialized companies uh, they have a very well-trained labor force workforce they can use these robots very efficiently and then they offer their service to the construction company and they get the parts and all the materials and then they come on site and they do it very intensively very fast let's say a high-rise building of 50 stories in in two three weeks or something like this oh, anyhow we did a building in japan 150 square meter, two-story house in, in four to six hours. And uh, when I worked in the construction industry in the 1970s, it was actually the, the mobile crane that decided um, the, uh, um, the kind of uh, on-site assembly and the production for it, because the on-site crane those days in the 70s was very uh, the mobile crane, which was driving from site, construction site to construction site, was very expensive for the construction company when I worked there. So what they tried to do, um, they tried to, to, to finish some prefabricated house in a week. And they planned it like this way, that they do it from Monday to Friday. And then the weekend, the uh, mobile uh, crane drives to the next construction site. And this sequence decided the off-site production sequence of precast concrete panels. So, and now I would say, let 
we have to finish some big investment. Uh, a high-rise building, let's say, cost 50, 100 million euro. It should be finished within three weeks because it's a big investment and the investor wants a return on investment very quickly and doesn't want it after two or three years. So we decide, okay, we build this 50 stories in two to three weeks. And then we bring in all the machines. It will be expensive machines, but of course it will be more expensive than conventional machinery. But since the return on investment is there after one month, let's say, and not after one or two years, it pays off. So I will do a totally different calculation. And um, and the same with the infrastructure. You know, when recently we have so many traffic jams on German highways, uh, bridges are being renovated, have been destroyed, have to be new built. And there's so many stupid traffic jams uh, in, in, in Germany, for example. So we have to do it very fast. We have, and, and then you see there's nobody working on the construction mm, site for yeah. when, when I'm passing by. <laughs> so you have to do it very intensively. Let's say overnight in within four hours between 12 at midnight to four o'clock in the morning before the rush hour start, you go in with lots of robots and fix the highway or fix the bridge. Of course, it's very expensive, you know, <laughs> but the for the whole society, the damage will be less will be less expensive. But of course, for the for the one who has to pay this, uh, whether it's the state or the city, it, it for the, because of the infrastructure, it will be more expensive. But the total loss for the society will be less. So we need a new type of calculation, economic calculation. This is my my opinion. So I see a lots of new business models. Business chances actually specialized companies. They know the business, or just like let's say the HVAC systems. You know when you when you do you have specialized companies. They just do HVAC, and they go in there, and 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 they do the HVAC in in any kind of high rise building. So they are specialized as well. So. This I would do also for construction robotics, highly specialized, very intensive, and at one time, like like some kind of special task force or something like this. Okay. I think what 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 I have heard from you now is that we have had these solutions for decades, but we haven't really used them. <laughs> so so uh, hopefully we can now start uh, making those calculations that you recommend and. And actually start thinking, rethinking how we construct because that that is necessary. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, this this has been a really uh, interesting discussion. But if our listeners would like to contact you and learn more, how can they, how can they find you? Well, you just can uh, check my homepage. It's www.rod.de. ROD means robot oriented design.de. This is an old domain <laughs> I, I registered in the 90s. Uh, and um, and then maybe my email is uh, Bok Robotics, uh, written in English way with uh, CS Robotics at web.de. Web -de. So, um, and uh, and you can see a lots of videos there actually. I have on, on my homepage, I have about 30 videos in the media section. And then you can already see what happened in the last uh, 40 some years. And especially nowadays, because of the interest are increasing too. Now people stop their construction project. Uh, private investors stop their construction project. Even Vonovia, a big German uh, uh, project developer, stopped building a new housing 
projects because of the high interest and stuff like this. So I think uh, even in the high interest time, this is what happened in Japan in the 1980s when I was there, because of the high interest time, they actually developed robots, they build it faster. Because if you build it very fast, you immediately got the availability of the building and you get the return on investment. You can rent the office space, the people can move in, they don't need to, to pay the rent of the present building and, and pre-finance, upfront finance the next uh, building so they can use it immediately especially in high interest time we need even more of this uh, technology of robotics and automation to make it again affordable because uh, it, it if if you have it quickly available then interest don't hurt you know it's mm -hmm. very simple yeah yeah money talks again <laughs> <laughs> so thomas thanks a lot for this this opportunity to chat with you and uh, let's keep in touch yeah sure sure thanks for inviting me arnie thanks for listening subscribe to this podcast and visit aec-business.com the award-winning blog for more news and stories